Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 167. Today's big Bible question is, how important is it to remember what God has done? So, hello, friends. Happy Saturday to you. Today's pod will be short and sweet because the weekend episodes are usually shorter and because, well, yesterday's episode on the Mark of the Beast uh, ran a little bit long. Our Bible readings for the day include Deuteronomy 18, Psalm 105, Isaiah 45, and Revelation chapter 15. We will today take a brief break from all end times all the time in order to focus on the Psalms for the first time in quite a while. Psalm 105 is a very interesting passage in that it is as if the psalmist there combined equal parts poetry, worship song, and history lesson into a blender, pressed the button, and out popped Psalm 105. It is long but deep and very reminiscent of Stephen's sermon in Acts right before his martyrdom, in which he basically recounts the entire history of the people of God up until that point. So let's read the passage, paying particular attention to David's call to remember what God has done. This is Psalm 105, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, proclaim his deeds among the people, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell about all his wondrous works. Boast in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face always. Remember the wondrous works he has done, his wonders and the judgments he has pronounced. You offspring of Abraham, his servants, Jacob's descendants, his chosen one. He is the Lord our God, his judgments govern the whole earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he ordained for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, swore to Isaac, and confirmed to Jacob as a decree, and to Israel as a permanent covenant. I will give the land of Canaan to you as your inherited portion. When they were few in number, very few indeed, and resident aliens in Canaan, wandering from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their behalf. Do not touch my anointed ones or harm my prophets. He called down famine against the land and destroyed the entire food supply. He had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with shackles. His neck was put in an iron collar until the time his prediction came true. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent for him and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him master of his household, ruler over all his possessions, binding his officials at will and instructing his elders. Then Israel went to Egypt. Jacob lived as an alien in the land of Ham. The Lord made his people very fruitful. He made them more numerous than their foes, whose hearts he turned to hate his people and to deal deceptively with his servants. He sent Moses his servant and Aaron whom he had chosen. They performed his miraculous signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and it became dark, for did they not defy his commands? He turned their water into blood and caused their fish to die. Their land was overrun with frogs, even in their royal chambers. He spoke and insects came, gnats throughout the country. He gave them hail for rain and lightning throughout their land. He struck their vines and fig trees and shattered the trees of their territory. He spoke and locusts came, young locusts without number. They devoured all the vegetation in their land and consumed the produce of their land. He struck all the firstborn in their land, all their first progeny. Then he brought Israel out with silver and gold, and no one among his tribes stumbled. Egypt was glad when they left, for the dread of Israel had fallen on them. 
He spread a cloud as a covering, and an oak gave a fire to light up the night. They asked, and he brought quail and satisfied them with bread from heaven. He opened a rock, and water gushed out. It flowed like a stream in the desert. For he remembered his holy promise to Abraham, his servant. He brought his people out with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them the lands of the nations, and they inherited what other people had worked for. All this happened so that they might keep his statutes and obey his instructions. Hallelujah. So many times the word of God calls on God's followers to seek his face. And I actually believe verse 5 gives us one of the prime ways that we do seek God's face, because it comes right after the command in verse 4 to seek his face. And that way is by remembering his works and deeds, his miracles and his judgments. So this is an oft-repeated exhortation all throughout Scripture, and a very important one, but I'm quite convinced that most preachers and teachers don't call the church to remember God's wonders, works, and judgments quite often enough. Let's read a few passages that might cause us to reconsider this. For instance, Isaiah 46, 8-10, Remember this and be brave. Take it to heart, you transgressors. Remember what happened long ago, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying, My plan will take place and I will do all my will. Or how about Deuteronomy 8, 1 and 2? Carefully follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and take possession of the land the Lord swore to your ancestors. Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Or Deuteronomy 24.18, Remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. I note here that Deuteronomy is filled multiple times with commands to the people of Israel to remember what God has done. Number four, in Psalm 77, when Asaph was depressed, the way he handled that depression was to remember what God had done. So verse 11 says, I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. Number five, same with David in Psalm 143. My spirit is weak within me. My heart is overcome with dismay. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all you've done. I reflect on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. I am like parched land before you. Selah. Number six, Asaph, in the very next chapter after 77, 78, 41 through 43, traces the Israelites' rebellion against God to the fact that they failed to remember his power and wonder. So verse 41 says, they constantly tested God and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power shown on the day he redeemed them from the foe. When he performed his miraculous signs in Egypt, and his wonders in the territory of Zoan. Now, number seven, the psalmist in Psalm 119 consoles himself in the midst of persecutions by remembering the judgments of God. Verse 51 says, The arrogant constantly ridicule me, but I do not turn away from your instruction. Lord, I remember your judgments from long ago and find comfort. Number eight, Isaiah 17, 9-11 outlines the dangers of failing to remember God's great deeds and judgments. In verse 10 it says, For you have forgotten the God of your salvation, and you have failed to remember the rock of your strength. Therefore, you will plant beautiful plants and set out cuttings from exotic vines. On the day that you plant, you will help them to grow, and in the morning 
You will help your seed to sprout, but the harvest will vanish on the day of disease and incurable pain. Number nine, the Great Commission, as you might recall, contains in and of itself an exhortation to remember. So Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Finally, number 10, 2 Timothy 2, 7 through 9, Paul exhorts Timothy to remember the good news. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead and descended from David according to my gospel, for which I suffer to the point of being like a bound like a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. So not only that, but one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives, according to Jesus, is to remind us, to help us remember the words of Jesus. So John 14, 25 through 26, Jesus says, I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. So as we think about the importance of remembering what God has done, let's close with a short exhortation from Charles Spurgeon to do just that. Spurgeon says, Memory is never better employed than upon such topics. Alas, we are far more ready to recollect foolish and evil things than to retain in our minds the glorious deeds of Jehovah. If we would keep these in remembrance, our faith would be stronger, our gratitude warmer, our devotion more fervent, and our love more intense. Shame upon us that we should let slip what it would seem to impossible to forget. We ought to need no exhortation to remember such wonders, especially as God has wrought them all on behalf of his people. Quote, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. These also should be had in memory. The judgments of his mouth are as memorable as the marvels of his hand. God had but to speak, and the enemies of his people were sorely afflicted. His threats were not mere words, but smote his adversaries terribly. As the word of God is the salvation of his saints, so is it the destruction of the ungodly. Out of his mouth goes a two-edged sword with which he will slay the wicked. Sobering thoughts and a powerful reminder to remember what God has done for all of us. Let's go to Deuteronomy 18, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. The Levitical priests, the whole tribe of Levi, will have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They will eat the Lord's offerings, that is their inheritance. Although Levi has no inheritance among his brothers, the Lord is his inheritance as he promised him. This is the priest's share from the people who offer a sacrifice, whether it is an ox, a sheep, or a goat. The priests are to be given the shoulder, jaws, and stomach. You are to give him the first fruits of your grain, new wine, new wine, and fresh oil, and the first sheared wool of your flock. For the Lord your God has chosen him and his sons from all of your tribes to stand and minister in his name from now on. When a Levite leaves one of your towns in Israel where he was staying and wants to go to the place the Lord chooses, he may serve in the name of the Lord his God like all of his fellow Levites who minister there in the presence of the Lord. They will eat most they will eat equal portions beside what he has received from the sale of the family estate. When you enter the land your Lord, the Lord your God is giving you, do not imitate the detestable customs of those nations. No one among you is to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire, practice divination, tell fortunes, interpret omens, practice sorcery, cast spells, consult a medium or a spiritist, or inquire of the dead. Everyone who does these acts is detestable to the Lord, and the Lord your God 
is driving out the nations before you because of these detestable acts. You must be blameless before the Lord your God, though these nations you are about to drive out listen to fortune tellers and diviners. The Lord your God has not permitted you to do this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. This is what you requested from the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not continue to hear the voice of the Lord our God or see this great fire any longer so that we will not die. Then the Lord said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up for them a prophet like you among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. I will hold accountable whoever does not listen to my words that he speaks in my name. But the prophet who presumes to speak a message in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet must die. You may say to yourself, how can we recognize a message the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the Lord's name and the message does not come true or is not fulfilled, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. Isaiah 45 verse 1. The Lord says this to Cyrus, his anointed, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him and disarm kings, to open doors before him, and even city gates will not be shut. I will go before you and level the uneven places. I will shatter the bronze doors and cut the iron bars in two. I will give you the treasure of of darkness and riches from secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord. I am the God of Israel who calls you by your name. I call you by your name for the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen one. I give a name to you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God but me. I will strengthen you, though you do not know me, so that all may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is no one but me. I am the Lord. There is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make success and create disaster. I am the Lord who does all these things. Heaven sprinkle from above and let the skies shower righteousness. Let the earth open up so that salvation will sprout and righteousness will spring up with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to the one who argues with his maker, one clay pot among many. Does clay say to the one forming it, what are you making? Or does your work say, he has no hands? Woe to the one who says to his father, what are you fathering? Or to his mother, what are you giving birth to? This is what the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and its maker says, Ask me what is to happen to my sons and instruct me about the work of my hands. I made the earth and created humans on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens and I commanded everything in them. I have stirred him up in righteousness and will level all roads for him. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free, not for a price or a bribe, says the Lord of armies." This is what the Lord says, the project of products of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and the Sabaeans, men of stature, will come over to you and will be yours. They will follow you. They will come over in chains and bow down to you. They will confess to you, God is indeed with you, and there is no other. There is no other God. You, you are a God who hides, God of Israel, Savior. All of them are put to shame, even humiliated. The makers of idols go in humiliation together. Israel will be saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You will not be put to shame or humiliated for all eternity. For this is what the Lord says, the creator of the heavens, the God who formed the earth and made it, the one who established it. He did not create it to be a wasteland, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I have not spoken in secret somewhere in a land of darkness. I did not say to the descendants of Jacob, seek me in a wasteland. 
I am the Lord who speaks righteously, who declares what is right. Come gather together and approach, you fugitives of the nations. Those who carry their wooden idols and pray to a God who cannot save have no knowledge. Speak up. Present your case. Yes, let them consult each other. Who predicted this long ago? Who announced it from ancient times? Was it not I, the Lord? There is no other God but me, a righteous God and Savior. There is no one except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn truth has gone from my mouth, a word that will not be revoked. Every knee will bow to me, every tongue will swear allegiance. It will be said about me, righteousness and strength are found only in the Lord. All who are enraged against him will come to him and be put to shame. All the descendants of Israel will be justified and boast in the Lord. Revelation chapter 15 verse 1. Then I saw another great and awe-inspiring sign in heaven, seven angels with the seven last plagues, for with them God's wrath will be completed. I also saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had won the victory over the beast, its image, and the number of its name were standing on the sea of glass with harps from God. They sang the song of God's servant Moses and the song of the Lamb. Great and awe-inspiring are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship before you, because your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked in the holy temple, the tabernacle of testimony was opened. Out of the temple came seven angels with the seven plagues, dressed in pure bright linen, with golden sashes wrapped around their chests. One of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls, filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. Then the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Gracious. Well, friends, that gives us something to, I don't know about look forward to, but we will read about the seven plagues tomorrow. In the meantime, may the Lord bless you. May he build you up with his word. May he edify you. Good day and Godspeed.